Hello, baby. Want a kiss? Welcome to the Experimental Film Podcast with your host, Ken Hess. Teaching a parakeet to talk is fun, but the old method took too much time and patience. This record is specially designed to teach any healthy, normal parakeet to talk by using a scientific new method that is acknowledged to be far superior because a carefully trained voice, specially chosen for excellence in clarity and diction, repeats over and 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 over the same words, the same phrase, in a manner that most parakeets are most likely to imitate. Check experimentalfilm.info for information, interviews, and episodes. For the next few seconds, this record will be silent. This podcast is dedicated exclusively to experimental film and its makers. Slovenian-born visual artist and filmmaker Natasha Prosenz-Stearns earned her B.A. at the Academy of Fine Arts in Ljubljana. She moved to Los Angeles on a Fulbright grant for her MFA at California Institute of the Arts. Her body of work ranges from single and multi-channel videos, video installations, short and feature films, video objects, and print media. She is known for the creative use of non-gallery spaces and large multi-channel installations. Her films Souvenir, released by Cinema Epic, The Trial of Socrates, which is a collaboration of 23 filmmakers, Hotel Diary, and others explore innovative strategies in storytelling and visual expression. Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 11 of the Experimental Film Podcast. Today's guest is visual artist and filmmaker Natasha Prosenz-Stearns. Natasha is from Slovenia but lives in both Los Angeles and Slovenia. Natasha's film Ziva, The Death of the Goddess Ziva, is an official selection in this year's Experimental Film Fest. Natasha, welcome to the Experimental Film Podcast. Hi, Ken. Thanks for having me. No problem. I'm glad to have you on. I've been looking forward to this podcast for some time, and uh, I've viewed a lot of your work, and I'm really excited to uh, get into a discussion about it. But before we do, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Uh, Sure. So, um, as uh, you mentioned in the introduction, I come from Slovenia, one part of former Yugoslavia, and this is where my uh, creative path started. Um, and um, after I graduated from the Academy of Fine Arts, I, uh, you know, started doing my projects, slowly expanding them into uh, installations, into spaces. And uh, then I wanted to expand my education and got a Fulbright grant, uh, came to Los Angeles to Cal Arts and. Uh, uh, did my MFA at CalArts, and then um, one thing led to another. Uh, seven years later, got my green card, and I'm still here, <laughs> twenty plus years later. Wow, that's great! I'm glad to. We're glad to have you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Always good to have creative people uh, join the ranks of uh, Americans, I guess. <laughs> but um, before we speak about Ziva, let's talk about some of your other work. Uh, you have uh, a huge body of work behind you. Uh, I think I've noticed that you had 183 films on Vimeo, and you have visual art, you have an archive. Um, just kind of give us an overview of the evolution from your earliest work to your latest, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, you know, 
that this number, the, this uh, on Vimeo, uh, the, a lot of these are Vimeo uh, video loops that are part of installation. So the number is actually not uh, so huge. But um, so my uh, evolution, basically, it's like I started um, engaging with moving images, <clears throat> excuse me, at, uh, as part of my study. Uh, we had this class, um, uh, experimental video art class that was not required, but I took it and that was kind of it for me. Love at first sight. Uh, you know, so I immediately started becoming, uh, uh, attracted to power of moving images in general and just started experimenting and, and seeing where this is going to lead me. So, um, that's why I kind of went in all directions, you know, somewhat narrative, uh, completely non-narrative gallery, gallery pieces. Uh, I like um, uh, pieces that are non I mean, that, that are in some non-gallery uh, environments that kind of uh, share the same idea with the existing uh, uh, building or outside space. Um, uh, all the way to now when I'm uh, experimenting with NFTs. So there's a whole range of, of works, but what actually interests me is how to creatively approach them and how to um, infuse them with what uh, interests me in life. Uh, and uh, that has always been maybe coming from the transitioning from one culture to another completely different culture. Uh, these are themes of identity, alienation, how to stay human in, in our crazy uh, technology-driven and consumption-driven world. Um, and, uh, and also I developed the style that it's, uh, people call it painterly, I don't know if that's correct label but it's definitely visual I don't use a lot of words I use uh, a lot of um, I'm just trying to really dig into the, the the visual possibilities of moving image of time-based media that it's not just you know turning on the button and recording the reality but trying to figure out where is this edge between reality and uh, between figurative and abstract, for example, uh, between surface and depth, um, you know, all these um, elements that, you know, you, you, you are taught in a school while you're becoming a painter, let's say. So this is generally where I stand in terms of style, content and, and evolution, but um, every project has a different set of challenges. So that's why, you know, I, I try to, I mean, of course, these themes are endless, but, uh, but for me, it's always the most important thing, it's process. I get everything through process. I don't particularly believe in, you know, ideas. These days, people talk about ideas all the time. For me, idea is just a starting point, just this kick into unknown. And then uh, it's more about being staying inspired and staying on the frequency to follow where this is, the process is leading you and being honest and open to, to whatever comes, you know, and oftentimes it's, it's, it's very surprising. So. Yeah. Thank you. Um, 
you know, I noticed there's kind of a common theme through some of your work, which is it's it almost tends to be a little thriller or horror, <laughs> and there's a lot of tension. I noticed you produce a lot of tension in your films. Could you kind of speak to that, and, and is that an accurate kind of assessment to uh, some of your work? It's accurate, but you're the first one who actually said that straight out, I got to say. And I think, I think it's the tension of the world. I think our, our world, it's really scary. And uh, as much as I'm uh, uh, maybe, let's say, optimistic person, and I think life is a gift and we, can, we have to make the best of it, I do think we live in a very challenging times uh, and that uh, anxiety, it's probably uh, coming true in my works. As well as, you know, just the, the fact that I'm, for example, attracted to the dream world, the, dr the, the world of memories, the world of unknown, the subconscious, uh, you know, things that we can't comprehend. Uh, so that's probably also something that is, uh, that has attention and that it's uh, murky and shadowy silhouette, a lot of silhouettes. <laughs> Right. Yeah. There's lots of shadows. And I noticed there's also a theme of water in right. a lot of your films. Is that something that you purposely did to explore that element or is it um, just a, a thematic yeah. element that you like? It, it, the whole thing with water is spontaneous. First, I mean, it, it got born through the process. I probably wasn't completely aware of it, but now looking back, I can just say I love water as a person and as an artist. And uh, water, it's not just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it could be a symbol of subconscious, just kind of flat out. But it's more complicated than that uh, because it also becomes an element of abstraction, for example, because I do layering a lot and uh, uh, water then creates, uh, you know, uh, abstracts these images and and brings them into this other reality because sometimes you can't even tell it's water but it's there so it gives it this special um atmosphere that wouldn't be there otherwise yeah and, and one of my favorite of your works is called mud mm -hmm. and i thought that one was really cool and what it was to me is this person is born in this mud and you know Right. And then goes through the birthing process of, of, you know, taking the mud off. It's almost like the, um, I can't remember what the, the name of it is, but it's almost like the stuff that you're you're born with it surrounding you. Right. You know, Vernix or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. that's almost what it was like. It was almost like a, a birthing process of this person. Is that kind of what you were going for? Uh, sure. And uh uh, also is, you know, this connection of earth and, and the woman, you know, the, but, but in general, the, the whole process of, um, creating identity, uh, separating, um, uh, liberating, um, uh, you know, uh, defining, uh, identity. And, and of course, as in all my works, the connection between, uh, figure or human and nature, that deep visceral oneness that I believe in, that, that you know, 
people say we are part of nature. I think we uh, are part of environment. I think we are the environment. And I feel like if we would think that way more, we wouldn't have all these ecological problems, you know. Um, oftentimes in my films, this is not very illustrative, but I think in the background, all my films are kind of about that, you know, that uh, really tight oneness, connect, interconnectedness of humans, humans and nature and, and humans and everything, you know. So, you know, in that film Mud, it was kind of interesting to me to note that uh, this lady was was in the mud originally all, you know, completely submerged in it. This is kind of a dumb question, but was the mud hot? Uh, the mud, these, these are um, mud volcanoes in California desert. And uh, yes, they're bubbling, they're, they're bubbly, and in some uh, places are really hot. Um, and, uh, but not too hot. They're actually healing places. Uh, and uh, I haven't been there in a while, and I hope they're not going to become too touristy because... It's kind of wilderness and it's just beautiful. So we were able to, you know, do all this shoot without permits or anything, even though it's formally nudity, you know, uh, not 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 explicit because the the body is covered by with mud. But still, you know, otherwise, if that would be a normal side, we would have a lot of issues with that. Sure. Yeah. That. Sorry about that. America's still a little bit behind in that sense. <laughs> that, that's right. Not just behind. I don't know if, if it's ever gonna gonna shake off all these crazy taboos. You know. It's true. So speaking of differences in in cultures, you know, Slovenia is a very art centered country. At least that's the impression I get because there's all these museums and art and painting and sculptures. I mean, it's it's crazy the amount of art that exists there. Did that somehow uh, color your desire to make films and visual arts? You're right, Slovenia. It's very uh, um, it's very uh, has a lot of culture, a lot of art, a lot of intellectuals. Uh, so it's a very vibrant uh, place. Um, the problem is that after separation from Yugoslavia it's a very small place that it's not should I should I start it again oh sure yeah sorry about that that's okay uh you're right Slovenia is culturally very vibrant uh place with a lot of artists art institutions uh intellectuals writers uh, performances great theater etc but it's also a very small place. And uh, uh, after separation from Yugoslavia, it became a bit incestuous and a bit, um, you know, a place where everybody knows everybody. And uh, uh, in places like that, certain uh, styles or, or trends tend to monopolize the culture. And that has been a problem for some time. But regardless... Uh, uh, Slovenia is a place of great potential, a great uh, talent, talented people. Uh, it's just not connected enough uh, with the rest of the world. Right. So uh, when it comes to filmmaking, what kind of filmmaking uh, culture do you have in Slovenia? 
I may not be the best person to talk about it because I have been away for so long, but um, Slovenia um, has a, you know, the, the culture is supported by the government and Slovenia has a Slovenian film fund that, that uh, finances the films. That's why uh, we have a lot of uh, great filmmakers um, that, you know, are known internationally. Um, so what kind exactly, I would put it into a European independent, um, filmmaking category. I know that's very wide, um, category, but, uh, I, I think that's probably the most accurate. Sure. So let's talk about your life in Los Angeles now as a filmmaker and Los Angeles, of course, is big into narrative film and you know what we think of as mainstream film and you don't really think of los angeles or at least i don't as a big experimental film place i mean you think more like uh, san francisco or new york city for uh, experimental what's the situation like in los angeles yes los angeles is is just there's so much about Los Angeles. There's so many layers, uh, so many things coexist. I, I got to say this, that when I uh, came to the United States, I wanted to go to New York originally. I wanted to go to NYU. But uh, the Fulbright uh, committee, when I got my grant, they um, placed me to CalArts because they felt that my work fits best there. And... Um, and uh, I stayed in Los Angeles, uh, even though I love New York. So, and I often visit, but uh, yes, in LA, you got to have a sense of humor, uh, you know, to, to put up with all the Hollywood stuff. But at the same time, there are a lot of artists from, and, and filmmakers from around the world. And, uh, um, you know, there is place, there are places for, um, uh, experimental film for video art and so on so it's just really big so you can always find um, uh, you know the people to talk to uh, who are who are um, you know who, who kind of think similarly it has been a, a challenge now because LA is also a little bit um, because it's so spread uh, can be alienating even more than the world is in general. And then the pandemic made this even worse. So so we, we have all these challenges, but they're not that unique to L.A. They're, they're generally something that the world is struggling with because, because everything kind of turned online and, um, and uh, we're kind of all struggling to get back to, you know, being humans again. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I'm, you know, I'm so glad that um, they came up with a vaccine in relatively short order because um, it's it's been very freeing, actually, <laughs> right. to, to be able to come out of our come out of our little hovels and uh, you know actually enjoy the world and, and each other again. So, right, right. Um, you know, I noticed something about your film work is that. Some of it, not all of it, but some of it specifically has an aspect ratio that looks like film. Do you work on film or is it all digital? Uh, I work all digital now, but I 
uh, worked with uh, film before, absolutely, uh, especially in the beginning. And uh, I made a feature film in 2009. Uh, actually, that was that was already shot in um, in some crazy experimental camera that we kind of created. But um, I've done 16 millimeter and super 16 millimeter films that I later um, transferred to um, to digital format, and also some of my installations, like Vortex that we talked about before was done on film because I wanted that look, you know, that specific uh, look of details that um, right. um, I wanted for that project. But uh, now I'm, I'm doing everything digitally lately. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. At least I still have a good eye for it. I, I could tell some of it was film because of the aspect ratio and just the look of it, it didn't look like digital that was made to look like film it actually looked like real film so that's yeah you're absolutely right and and you know oftentimes i this is how it goes for me you know it depends what the project uh requires and uh i was never you know i remember when digital came out and people were uh splitting two groups one were film buffs other was other were like more looking into future and were happy that filmmaking became cheaper i always felt like it's very important to pick the right medium the right tool the right thing for what you're doing currently whatever the project is so you know i like to have uh, different options open in order to achieve what what whatever the, the particular project um, requires, you know. Do you like working on film or do you like working in digital better? It's very different. Uh, right now, you know, these my last four or five years, I really developed this style and I'm kind of attached to <laughs> to. Final Cut Pro 7. I know that's really funny because it's outdated program. Uh, and I'm trying to transition to others. And I work with other programs. But uh, with Final Cut Pro 7, there's something that I can do that may... may uh, uh, um, you know, it's almost like playing an instrument that I feel like I know really well so I can do these really uh, intricate, delicate things, you know. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's not. It's this, this. I'm just telling this as an example of something that I that I really mastered. So I I think I can I can get like really good results. You know, uh, with film, you know, it's um, it's a very different uh, approach because more emphasis has be has to be done uh, during the shooting. You know, it's very important the lighting. The not that it's not, not important with video and digital, but with film. It's more uh, during the production, in my in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Film seems to be. I mean, a lot of people like it because it's nostalgic or it has a certain look. But wow, it's really hard to deal with these days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Especially because it's not. It's it's hard to find a good lab and the good. You know, everything. It's a little bit. Uh, um, almost exclusive now you know yeah you have a good one there in los angeles though right it's pro six or a pro eight millimeter i don't know that one yeah there's a lab there called pro eight millimeter.com i believe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, that's a good good film lab for uh cinema films in case you're interested mm -hmm. in it oh it's, cool yeah it's right there somewhere i'll have to look up the exact address but it's 
I believe it's pro8mm.com. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's interested. Thanks. Yeah. Um, what inspired you to make experimental films? Because I noticed even your early work is experimental in nature. So it's not something you just came up with a couple of years ago. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I started. I I never really, you know, I mean, the origin, the origins of film itself are experimental. I think it's it's an ultimate experimental media. By my opinion, uh, you know, that um, very structured uh, three-act story that it's not just Hollywood, but that kind of regular um, narrative filmmaking is just something that developed because of the industry, the star system, the the all the um, commercial elements that are involved with it, but. Otherwise, I think film has a long way to go in order to um, really explore all these possibilities that are um, that are you know yet to be um, you know all these interesting things that could be opened up. Um, for me, you know, moving for me, moving image is just kind of like one thing that that. It just depends on what is this idea or the process where you want to go. I, I can't even like distinct between, uh, you know, very, I mean, I was labeled that I'm mixing genres and I, I guess I do, but I don't think about genres when I, when I work, you know? So that's, that's how, how my approach is. And sometimes it turns, for example, you mentioned the mud, that's like, th- there's no layering there. There's almost a little story. Uh, but of course, it still falls into experimental. But I've done several shorts and, and a feature film that are that you could tell their narrative. You know, for me, I just don't don't put things in different drawers that much. Right. Yeah. In fact, mixing genres is is you know one of the experimental things that we can do as experimental filmmakers. That you know it's okay in in my opinion. So I don't think that's a I don't think that's a valid criticism. I think that's more of a compliment. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I mean, I think I think it's just how I how I uh, experience and how I feel this this. I, I just feel like moving image. It's like it's like a constant flux. It reflects on constant movement of all things. So it's maybe it sounds very philosophical, but I really feel it that way. You know, so when I see you know like all these superhero movies i i'm not i don't understand where all this is going seriously because it's uh there's just really nothing new uh rarely i mean rarely um but not just new but you know what i I mean i'm talking more authentic or sincere you know right yeah there's a lack of creativity to it in my opinion it's just Right. You know, they're just taking basic comic book stories and putting them on film. It's it's basically a, just a money grab, if you want my honest opinion. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying there, there there's creativity in certain, you know, projects and parts of the projects or whatever. I know there's a lot of effort in it by a lot of talented people, actually. But uh, I still think there's th- there should be much more uh, experimentation. You know, it's, it's just hard to... Uh, I understand it's very hard for filmmakers to find a uh, uh, budget for things like that. So. Right. 
Yeah, you know, um, you said earlier that film itself is experimental, and, and I like that because it's very true. I've said it before on the podcast that whatever is experimental today is going to be mainstream tomorrow. And I think, oh, yeah. I think that mainstream filmmakers need to look to experimental film to get new ideas, you know, and to interject those into their own work. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree. Um, who, I mean, before we totally get uh, into Ziva, uh, who are your inspirations? Who inspired you to make films? So at the beginning, I, I wasn't really um, directly inspired by filmmakers or video artists I just kind of got into moving images and at that point you know that was before internet so I started hitchhiking around Europe into to to see these collections of uh, experimental films and, and videos that museums had and was just inspired by you know all these different experimentation that people were doing and uh but my you know what I'm in awe with, it doesn't necessarily come from film and video. But, for example, I'm quite obsessed with cave paintings. Um, and uh, not that, and it, it, it's maybe a little bit more recent thing, last, let's say, five, six years. Not that I didn't really, of course, I knew about them before, but then I started kind of studying them. And the whole history of art kind of crumbled for me because. <laughs> I was, I just was, like, I'm talking especially cave paintings from France, from Chabot, uh, Lascaux, uh, etc. Right. Um, and I, for some reason, you know, it's just so fascinating to me that uh, we don't even know if these people had language. We know nothing about them. Very, very, very little. Everything is speculation. So I really want to, you know, if I could do an interview with them and I would ask them, are you a man? Are you a woman? Are you, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, there's just uh, something. Oh, and I kind of think that the reason I'm mentioning that, I kind of think these were the first filmmakers because everything is in such a um, experienced, experiential, um, um, uh, direct um I mean, you know, it hits your gut directly and, and it's in motion. It feels like it's in motion, even though it's not. But um, so, so that's one thing that I keep going back over and over again, for, for, for example. Um, and, and also art that is because before modernity, you know, where, where there was more... Um, uh, spiritual is not a right word, but but you know when when things were not so obsessed with material reality and 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 the notion of um, of uh, you know getting things and owning things and that that this defines us, you know, when, when the values were different. Right. I don't know if this really answers your question, but this is where my my um, interest and uh, admiration is, you know. Sure, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the cave paintings because I've thought about those a lot. And when I lived in New Mexico, they had petroglyphs, you know, mm-hmm. with the Native Americans or the indigenous peoples uh, painted on the rocks and carved into the rocks. So I always found the cave paintings interesting, too. In fact, here's a funny idea. I wanted to make a 
short film where this let's just call them cave people okay so this <laughs> this caveman comes home to his cave person wife and she asks him you know she does her hands up in the air like where's the food that you've been out hunting all day and his explanation is that it got away and she's like i don't believe you and he starts drawing on the the wall you know it here's how it got away and in reality, he was probably with some other cave woman, right? So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that would make an interesting experimental film, I think. Right. Explaining the cave paintings, it's like, no, no, really, really, I was really out hunting. It got away. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, you were. Now we have to have leaf soup or whatever, you know. So, anyway, I thought that would be kind of funny. Okay, so mm. now. Let's talk about your film that was an official selection in the Experimental Film Fest, Ziva, The Death of the Goddess Ziva. Am I saying the name correctly? Well, it's Ziva, actually, Jiva. if you can say. Ziva, yeah. Okay. So tell us about the, the film and about Ziva. So uh, this was a commission from a museum in Slovenia, which manages a house of France Prešern, who is a biggest Slovenian poet and he wrote a poem in 1836 um, about Christianization of Slovenian people in the 7th century and this had become the, probably one of the most poem po uh, um, um, it became one of the most famous poems uh, and uh, identity form forming epics uh, of Slovenians. So the museum commissioned me to make a film and video installation. It actually became both uh, based on that poem. And, uh, you know, I haven't really think about this poem for a long time. It's something that you learn in school and then it just kind of become the texture of your culture and you don't really think about it. But when I started reading it, it was, it is extremely violent, um, the, the content, you know, it's all these battles, it's all the heroes and very graphic. And I'm like, boy, what am I going to do with this? It's like, this is something for a Marvel movie, <laughs> not for my video art. So, but then there was that character of the pagan goddess Jiva, which kind of uh, shows up several times in the poem, and that was something that I could really relate to, because during this uh, poem, we kind of, I mean, I kind of was inspired by this transformation of uh, this figure of that pagan goddess. Her name, by the way, means life, alive, living, uh, in translation would be all these meanings, and it was a goddess of love and prosperity and, and uh uh, you know, family and um, just life and joy and nature. So, uh, so during, so, so then I decided the film is going to be about her and about the transformation of that figure during the Christianization, during these, these turbulent events. So it's her transformation to Virgin Mary, but basically these two things are not that different. My point that I wanted to get across was the senselessness of wars and that female principle that 
it, that kind of remains the same and that it's kind of lacking in the world. Uh, not, I'm not talking about simple... Um, I'm talking about female principle in all of us, in men and women. Uh, you know, the principle that is, um, it's that, that it's not, it's connected with nature. It's um, um, it's about connectedness, about um, support, nurture, nurturing, and also about uh, you know being open to to intuition to everything that is unknown and and how to embrace that lovingly and explore it lovingly so we can deal with our shadow part like the, all these violent wars that mostly men create um how how we create how we deal with this in a in a in a best possible loving way you know i noticed in jiva and in some of your other work you use stills a lot you know, still images, but you, they almost look animated. Um, they are not still images. They are just very slow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Cause some of them look like, um, cause I know some, well, maybe, maybe I, um, because I've looked at so much of your work, um, you have stills from Jiva. Oh, yes. That's, but that's another thing that I, uh, often do as parallel, um, uh, projects, for example, in the museum, they they when we installed because this this film became part of their permanent uh, collection, uh, where they have other things belongs belongings to the poet, and um, and they also wanted uh, one room. Uh, they asked me for to create still uh, images for uh, one museum room, and uh, so I created five of those. So maybe you're referring to those. Yeah, I think so because I noticed one that has the outline of the woman, and it has like tree branches. That's one mm -hmm. of the stills. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I did notice one or two of your other films that have stills in it. I think there's one that's almost autobiographical. Um, right. Yes. Self-portrait. Yes. yes. I did. I did this one uh, kind of a short haiku. I call them haiku videos. Uh, these are. I have a series of videos that are very, uh, you know, that just kind of are inspired by something that is around me. And I just quickly grab a camera and, you know, create this um, um, project. And this was uh, uh, in a house that I was living at the time. The, the entire hallway uh, was, um, was uh, covered with uh, photos, family and friends photos. So... I, I realized the lighting was like that, that, that I could always, always see my reflection on these photos. So it was, a, it was me together with these memories. So I created, created um, a project that was about um, memories and um, uh, maybe about, you know, this constant um, being somewhere else, uh, thinking where home is, because a lot of these images were... Um, from my family and friends in Slovenia, so you know it was it was about identity, con constant tr transitioning of identity, and different cultures. Yeah, when you said you grab a camera, what cameras do you use in your work? Uh, I use a DSLR camera now, uh, Lumix GH5, oh, cool. and uh, this is my third camera the the panasonic the third panasonic i really like that one um 
before I was using all kinds of cameras, but I kind of uh, got used to that one. That's kind of a similar thing that with Final Cut Pro 7, I got used to that uh, Panasonic um, uh, model that it's, um, you know, kind of handy because that's, that's another part of my work that I do is I have camera with me almost all the time and uh, I record things without planning a lot. And then I catalog them by dates. And then later on, these recordings find ways into the projects. So oftentimes when I get uh, uh, like a commission or when there's, a, when there's an exhibition or a, or, or a new project, I would go back into this uh, library, let's call it a library of um, um, videos and, uh, and audio stuff as well. Uh, and would uh, incorporate this material into my projects. Very cool. I like that. It's almost like your own library of found footage. Right, right. Yeah, that's cool. I do the same sort of thing. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, that's that's neat. I may, Maybe we should check our genetics. We, we might be related somehow. <laughs> well, you're definitely Eastern European, right? But I think, from your roots. Yeah, my brother had his DNA checked, and he said that... Uh, Eastern European, of course, he did it so long ago, he doesn't remember what, and he can't find his report. I should do mine, but I don't know how specific they are, but, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. we've, and, you know, my, um, my mother's family, um, you know, she told us all kinds of stories about, you know, where we're from and so forth. I don't know, you, you know, how things like that are always twisted. Plus, in the early days of the uh, 20th century, people were all trying to be American rather than identify as what they used to be right right. and and now it's the opposite (laughs) yeah yeah so a lot of that was lost and um you know people change their names they change their religions you know and Uh uh, it's it's very strange how people all wanted to blend at one time and you know now it seems like we all want to be um, whatever we used to be but they you know there's a saying that what the son wants to forget, the grandson wants to remember. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's part of it. <laughs> and who knows what's coming? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what next generation is going to come up with? This is true. In terms of identity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Um, uh, yeah, maybe they'll maybe. find alien roots. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. They're gonna say, "Okay, we we were we were all robots in in like five generations ago." <laughs> That's good. So, um, what are you working on now, if you can tell us? I um, am working on uh, several things. Uh, I'm creating this big uh, permanent installation for a, for a bank, uh, which is going to be um, another merging of of uh, figurative and. Uh, natural elements uh it's it's probably going to be this pillar made of water the kind of trying to dematerialize uh, space um i also am planning a a couple of launches of nfts the first one is basically in a couple of weeks with uh sedition the the platform um these are not these are just digital works that can be minted later but uh I'm uh, also collaborating with a, a group of um, um, artists and entrepreneurs from Portugal 
uh, it's called Art to Act, and uh, this is also launching before the end of the year. So uh, these are these are the and and the and the festival uh, round for Jiva, for, for example. So these are the the most uh, things that are going to happen now in a few weeks or and and months. Interesting. You know, you mentioned Portugal. It's like I think I had two or three films from Portugal in the festival and, you know, submitted and they have an extremely vibrant film community there. Yes. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not really sure myself what's going on, but there's a lot of artists that are moving there. Uh, a lot of filmmakers, um, the, the, the more and more, uh, interesting things are coming from Portugal. So it's, it's, it's definitely a very, uh, interesting place right now yeah. in terms of art, film, culture, theater, maybe architecture. Be- yeah, maybe it's because the uh, weather is so good. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. And maybe it's more affordable than, than oh. elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've also heard that. So, yeah, that, that could very well be. I have um, my bro- one of my brothers-in-law, his sister lives in Alicante, Spain. So, uh I think it's I think it's definitely more affordable there. I mean, their her uh, husband's family is well to do, but I think in general people can live there more comfortably on on less money than they do in other places, right. I mean, especially like right. Los Angeles, for example. Oh boy, yes. <laughs> How's in North Carolina? You know, it's not bad. It's it's actually pretty reasonable. Um, I live in a small town. Uh, very close to the coast. I think we're about 30 miles or so from the Atlantic. And, nice. it's, you know, it's it's pretty reasonable here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've found it to be, you know, decent in the cost of living, you know, groceries and things like that are very reasonable. And a lot of people are moving to North Carolina for that reason as well. So, you know, hopefully that won't make the prices go up. But, uh, but how about in terms of culture? Uh, you know, there's a lot of culture in this town. Uh, the town I live in is called New Bern, and it was mm-hmm. the original capital of North Carolina. It was, um, it's kind of featured prominently in the Outlander series uh, mm-hmm. because Governor Tryon built the first capital. He was the first continental governor of uh, North Carolina. You know, he was from England. And in fact, mm-hmm. his Tryon Palace is right across the street from my house. And it's kind of neat. Yeah, my office, I get to look down into the garden from my office here. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of neat. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of culture here. In fact, North Carolina, we were talking about language before the podcast. North Carolina is the most linguistically diverse area. If not the world, it certainly is in the the United States and probably North America. But it's, um, it's, it's so strange how we have this linguistic diversity here. So, um you know, there's lots Interesting. of lots of art in this little town. We have two active community theaters. We have a vibrant art community. Uh, the the famous author Nicholas Sparks is from this town. Oh, really? Yeah. In fact, he lives here. Um, I think part time. His house is over on the Trent River. We pass by it sometimes when we're out on my friend's boat. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's the one who wrote the Notebook. And Rodanthe Nights, or Nights in Rodanthe, whichever one mm-hmm. it was, and um, you know several of the the feel good kind of rom com type movies. Maybe not right. com- maybe not comedies, but I don't know. Maybe they are. But anyway, they're mm-hmm. you know those romantic 
movies right. with the nice mm-hmm. scenery and stuff. Yeah, but he lives mm-hmm. here. So, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah. The closest I think that I I've been to there was Myrtle Myrtle Beach. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, South Carolina. That's about three and a half hours south of here. South, yeah, I know it's South Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've always wanted to go there, but we've been as far down as uh, Wilmington and uh, Cape Fear that area, mm-hmm. Carolina Beach, which is very very nice, but it got hit hard by um, Hurricane Florence so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know but it, I, I think it's all fixed up now there's still still some fixing to do but you know it's it's slow going but uh, it's it's beautiful down there and we always wanted to go to Myrtle Beach because uh, one of my wife's favorite movies was filmed in Myrtle Beach it was called Shag mm-hmm. <laughs> which is an old movie from the 80s uh-huh. And, um, I think, yeah, Bridget Fonda, and I can't remember a couple of the other people who are in it, but they, uh, Shag is a, it's a dance. It's a dance uh-huh. they do over here in the yeah, Carolinas. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of the film. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, there's a, there's, the dance called Shag is a, kind of a North Carolina, South Carolina thing, and they have a Shag contest on, on Myrtle Beach at this place, and these girls have gone there to... Uh, compete in the shag contest so it's it's kind of interesting but anyway yeah people here will uh you know when there's concerts out in the street here in this town they people will do the shag you know <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny it's a, it's a tradition yeah yeah it's kind of fun you know i i'm not really a, much of a dancer myself but i i wouldn't like to learn the shag so <laughs> i've got to anyway. check it out yeah so um <laughs> Do you have a website and other ways for the audience to check out your work? Yeah, so my website, it's uh, my name, uh, natashasterns.com. Uh, and Natasha is without an H, because that's how it's spelled in my, na- uh, my uh, in Slovenian language. And then um, Instagram, also uh, my name, Natasha Stearns. And uh, Vimeo, it's uh, Natasha Prosent Stearns. Uh, that is... Uh, in the middle, it's my middle name, which is P-R-O-S-E-N-C. Great. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I've had a great time speaking with you. And, and gosh, if you uh, you know come up with a new project or something, let me know, because I would, I would love to have you back on sometimes. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Ken. That was fun. Yeah. And thank you for joining us for this 11th episode of Season 3 of the Experimental Film Podcast. Our guest today was visual artist and filmmaker Natasha Prosent Stearns. Please contact me if you'd like to schedule an interview, sponsor the podcast, point me to some cool experimental films, or connect me to other experimental filmmakers. And we'll see you next time. If you would like to sponsor a podcast or schedule an interview, send an email to ken at experimentalfilm.info. Thanks for listening to the Experimental Film Podcast with Ken Hess. Thank you.